Hi, and welcome to The Pointless Artist. I'm Bianca Winter, the creator of The Pointless Artist. This is a talk I had with Alicia Neal on Monday, the 24th of January, 2022. Alicia is a socially engaged artist based in Singapore. In 2016, she was the recipient of the Young Artist Award. You can listen now to my talk with Alicia Neal. Hi, Alicia. Hello, Bianca. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. Yes, I thank you too so much for accepting my invitation. We're going to be talking today about your parcours, your social engagement as an artist, about how you look at transformation and how you express it in your work. Further, we'll address three main topics together, which are at the heart of the pointless artist, namely artistic creativity, art inspiration, and creative block. In the end, we will talk about your most recent projects, and I'll kindly ask you to tell our listeners a few words about your call for artists, because we've got many visual artists listening to us right now who might be interested in responding to your call. I uh, admire you for being a socially engaged artist and for all the amazing work you do, Alicia. Before we dig into that, I'd like you to introduce yourself shortly. Tell us who you are and what defines you as an artist. Yeah, Bianca, so I, I'm an artist based in Singapore. I think for me, I see my work with uh, people. You know, interpersonal relationships are really at the heart and center of my work. So a lot of it really involves um, understanding another person's life, their perspectives and positions through the act of uh, working and connecting with them directly. So collaborations, you know, are, are really a way that I make my work and it's taught me a lot about, about life. And, um, and, and firstly, I think I make work to understand myself, uh, to, to understand various situations that's happening around us, like um, COVID, obviously, that's happening right now. Um, right. And also, you know, as a way to connect with others who are seemingly different from me or have a very different uh, sort of lived experience from me. So I, I think a lot of times I'm trying to create experiences also for my audiences to understand how they also position themselves in the world. And I think through that sort of um, encounter and experience, I hope that it will also shift a position within them or maybe even shift their thinking about a, a certain topic because that, that is how it's been for me in the art-making process. You've mentioned uh, a few keywords here. You've mentioned collaboration, connectedness, you mentioned also a process of understanding yourself and of creating experiences for people. Could you please tell us when you say connect with people, with others, people who are different than you, which kind of people do you refer to? I mean, I think in, in um, my projects, there's been a couple of different um, groups or individuals that I have uh, worked with over time. So one of the sort of ongoing projects, I would say, is Unseen Art Initiatives, which is, uh, you know, really started off as an as a interest of mine when I was thinking about blindness, you know, blindness in society. And, right. you know, as a, as a 
artist who's trained in photography, in the visual arts, mm. I was, you know, constantly thinking about how do my visually impaired uh, peers, you know, whether they're friends of mine or people that I, I, I don't know, you know, how would they actually um, access my art and the work that I do? So sort of thinking about these gaps in access started my journey in collaborating with um, visually impaired persons. The, the journey was that I started off with a residency in Taiwan, in Taipei, uh, with Bamboo um, Curtain Studio. Now, it, it was a very special experience for me because um, at the time, the late founder, Margaret Asu, who's been such an important person in my life, she really took a, a very strong interest in social engagement and she really encouraged my project. And Taipei was actually the first time where I worked with visually impaired persons. When was that? Um, that was in 2012. That was when I was in Taiwan. You know, so I had this chance to work with a, a, a local um, center which uh, served uh, visually impaired clients. And I was um, extending like uh, photography workshops to, to a very small group of uh, members. And through the interactions, you know, I started to see the potential of creativity, right? And art right. making in sharing our experiences. And even though it was a medium that was um, unfamiliar with them, it opened up a whole conversation about public spaces. You know, how do we use public spaces? How does a blind person interact with others? You know, what kind of intimate relationships are, are important to them? So that, you know, really sort of uh, you know, set off something for me. And when I came back to Singapore from that art residency, I was thinking about what I could contribute to the context here. And um, I started a pilot project called Unseen Constellations. And I was working with, uh, I, I chose to work with a local secondary school that had a group of visually impaired students right. um, studying in it. However, um, these students didn't take art. So, you know, it was very perplexing to me, like, why would, uh, like, art making not be um, part of their curriculum, you right. know, when all the other um, sighted students were taking it, right? So, so then it became um, an opportunity for, for me as an artist to, to enter this space and ask the students to think along with me, what mm. would art education look like if they were actually part of that process? And, and so it, it really spun off into um, a series, uh, it became a two-year-long project. Uh, Unseen Constellations, where we had um, seven visually impaired students lead their own projects. You know, we brought in different collaborators. You know, these students made films, they made uh, music, they made public speeches, they made like proposals. So it was, it was really you know, amazing. Wonderful, wonderful time. Yeah, and, and that was just a start for us. And over time, it became a, a platform, a volunteer led arts platform uh, where I continued to invite visually impaired artists who are at different stages of their um, practice. So some of them are, are already professional artists selling work in galleries. Um, some of them are just starting out. So yeah, so this sort of became this like small and, um, but you know, I, I really believe it important space for artists to come together to think about does um, access mean, you know, it's not just something that is good to have, but in many cases it's necessary and also, it can be very creative, you know. It's not just something that's functional. This was kind of, um, for me, an extension of my own work where, you know, we're really practicing what is um, socially engaged art together, but through the lens of disability. So, so I would say Unseen kind of has this focus. And, and then this year is super special for our platform because one of our very first participants, her name is Claire Teo, from that 
secondary school is now you know emerging as a performance artist and then you know it made me think about how uh, planting seeds really do matter and and now she's actually helming uh, one of our like largest projects to date it's called move forward unseen inside out uh, we're staging at the national gallery in singapore and she's been working with um, 12 uh, visually impaired co-creators, of which some of them have been part of this small community for the past few years. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's really wonderful for me, for the community, and also um, the artists to be able to support each other. I, I could go on about this project because there's just so much about it. And it's also fed into my own research about care practices, you know, and thinking about what does it really mean to care? You know, it's not just something that's only performative, but it's also something that can be acted on. So how do we actually contribute to a system of care, you know, to a society of care? Yeah. Alicia, these are huge topics that we could go on and on about for, for hours. Um, <laughs> this is just an opportunity to open up the ground, and I'd love to talk about these topics in the future with you, and eventually, you know, like focus like one specific topic and dig ourselves deeper into that. What I love about these initiatives of yours is the inclusiveness, because this is a form of care. The word connectedness pops into my mind right now because this is very much, very intimately linked to inclusiveness. So you include people and you connect them. You connect with them and you connect them. And in these times of uh, social distancing, of encroachments on people's freedom and all sorts of borders being drawn between people, communities, even within families, between like members of the same family, your contribution and your initiatives are simply amazing because they put so much hope out there and have such a strong impact on people. I was going to ask you about how you measure the impact of your initiatives in, in the communities and the society you are active in, but you've already given me the answer. Like you gave me the, the example of one of the participants in those projects who is now herself leading a project. And I suppose she's not the only one, right? Yes. So actually for, I think it's really quite special, the time that, you know, has happened in between. So we have had a number of like students who we encountered in the very first project, but gone on to also make different kinds of works. You know, some of them are not doing artistic works because they, they you know, they don't really have an interest to be an artist. And she's one of the few um, students who we encountered back then who really had a very strong passion for, for art practice, right? And, and you know, when we talk about like impact and numbers, I, I really do believe in the power of small. And, um, you know, this comes down to interpersonal relationships again, you know, because I, I do think that the depth of the relationships and the depth of the connection is what matters um, the most. And I'm, I'm super, you know, it, it really makes my heart swell when I, when I hear her part, uh, Claire's participants, you know, speak of the process, you know, how much they've now learned from her. And, and that shows me that that kind of slow but incremental sort of interactions are what keeps people connected and what keeps people growing. I think in, in a lot of situations, there's, there is an intersection of uh, different kind of um, experiences that set people behind. 
So, you know, disability is, is really just one part of, of this intersection. Mm-hmm. There's also other forms of, um, of discrimination, right? So I, I feel that every sort of small incremental step that we can make, it really makes a difference. And, and so for us, you know, having a disabled artist helm the project is a paradigm shift. Right, and that Indeed. that will create ripples in in time to come, and yeah. So I mean, like like you said, this interconnection, and for people to be able to see that through our work and experience it, definitely, you know, I think it's, it's super super important. Yes, and I I also like very much this message of the power of the small is not about the large quantity, is not about the number of seeds, but the quality of the seeds that you've planted out there. Okay, we will go on to the next question now. How did you become an artist, Alicia? I mean, when and why did you decide to become an artist? And what was back then your motivation? And uh, what is your motivation right now? I think for for me as a child, I, I really just enjoyed making things, drawing things. And I think it was, it was a, a quality that my... My mother, in particular, like really um, encouraged and, and nurtured in me. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to take art classes, and I remember very fondly, like the very first uh, art show I went to uh, was by my painting teacher at that time. I was really young; I was in secondary school. His name is Bu Ziyang, and at the time, I had no idea that you know he was he was quite an accomplished uh, painter in Singapore. And he was, you know, I was taking art class, uh, art lessons with him. And I had the chance to see his painting show. And I think that was probably the first moment I had an idea of, oh, okay, this is what a, like an artist does. They make their work and he was just able to share with us his motivations for, for making them. I, I knew I liked making and I knew I liked, uh, I loved the visual arts. I loved um, drawing and, and, but I don't think I, I, I ever really sort of set expectations to myself that I wanted to be an artist. So a lot of my journey was kind of um, organic, I would say. But I think one of the, the critical moments was when I went to university. I mean, I had a choice to um, either study sociology or go to art school. And I decided to uh, go to art school. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> Good choice! <laughs> yeah, and it didn't really change my like. It set me on the course, right? Because then I was immersed in this environment, and I and I decided to uh, major in photography. You know, and and that was uh, I think very special for me. My peers were very much an inspiration for me. Uh, my teachers, and and I think photography was also one of those mediums which um, really brought out my interest in connecting with people. The the medium itself made it stronger. You know, made this desire to to sort of go out into like unknown spaces. You know, reach out to people's homes. So, like one of my um, earliest works um, were were really portraits of different communities in in Singapore, um, and also when when I was doing an exchange program in in Baltimore in the states. You know, I I was really going into unknown spaces and connecting with people both on the streets as well as online. So I became you know very interested in working with people. I think the medium and encouraged that. When you've started engaging, connecting with people via photography, what was the message mm. that you put out there? Yeah, I don't know if it was so much of a message back then, but I think it was sort of like an exercise on trust. Mm. Because a lot of um, the people that I, I met, they were strangers. 
and um, they were essentially responding to a, a call, you know, an open call that I put up online or, you know, literally in the streets where, you know, I would approach them to ask them to invite me to their homes, wow. you know. So it, it, was, um, it was one of those projects that I think also exposed me to very different sort of um, circumstances and and also you know the the shocking realization that if you ask people do respond <laughs> right <laughs> you better watch out what you ask for <laughs> yeah right so i mean what you think it was a, it was such you know it was such a wonderful time because i was also very um in a, in a stage of experimenting and sort of discovering what was important to me and and these people helped me support you know my journey you know, by trusting a complete stranger. <laughs> like, like you said in the very beginning of our talk, understanding yourself. So it's yes, kind of an ongoing absolutely. process, I suppose. You, you'll you never stop experimenting absolutely. with and kind of trying to better understand and deeper understand yourself, right? Yeah, and, and what better way to do it than in somebody's private home? Because I think that's where... Yeah. Um, you know, you can you can be the most vulnerable, but at the same time, the most um, it could also be a very orchestrated space. Mm. So I think at the time, you know, I was very interested in how people shaped their personas, you know, publicly. Mm. You know, how do they present themselves publicly and also privately? Yeah, that was what was um, driving me at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, we we kept talking about this that you're a social engaged artist. Yes, you create and lead projects that have an impact on people. There's also a universal dimension of your art which goes beyond the social and cultural context you live in. Could you talk to us a bit about these two complementary sides of your work as an artist? So your social engagement in Singapore and the universal dimension of your work, which goes beyond the borders of Singapore? Yeah, I think that's such an interesting question because um, I think the first thought that comes to my mind is is really about care mm-hmm. and also well-being. I think that is something that's really preoccupying my work at the moment and also my thoughts. And when I when I look at the different sort of projects that I've been working on in the past few years, I think care does connect all of them. And I've been sort of using these projects as uh, experimentations, right? To, to think about what does it mean to care for another person and what does it also mean to receive care. I mean, for me, um, care is also a process of uh, decentering. It's also, you know, a, a really a practice, right? So I, I kind of um, see it beyond just, you know, necessarily performing or, you know, just um, creating objects, but also an act, right? It's actually something that we can take um, action on. So some of the um, things that I've been thinking about a lot is actually through this project called uh, the Care Index. Yeah, so um, that's one of my most uh, recent um, research projects that, came out of a response to COVID. So I started it in uh, December 2020. So kind of like during the, the peak of uh, the pandemic um, globally. And at the time, you know, Singapore also went through a series of lockdowns and was thinking to myself as an artist, how would I uh, respond to that? So, so the Care Index became an invitation, you know, an open call for people to share gestures and practices of care. And 
I also wanted to um, just briefly mention um, what led up to this work uh, was that in 2018, I worked on a project uh, with a group of caregivers in Singapore. And what's so special about these um, um, caregivers were that they were all primary caregivers of uh, family members who uh, live with mental illness. And so primary caregivers in the sense that they had to um, sort of make significant adjustments to their lives whether it's with their jobs or, um, you know, giving up their um, their livelihood and also um, taking on not just like the physical labor of care work, but also the emotional and financial um, weight of it. Um, so that project was, um, I think, a very significant experience for me because I, I could, you know, sort of see this connection between our physical body and uh, the way that we express ourselves could be actually very um, transformative. So that particular project allowed me to um, work with this group of caregivers along with uh, two um, amazing collaborators, Shada Harrison and Ajinta Wari, who are mothers and daughters. And, uh, and they, they um, were uh, the movement consultants for this project. And so I, I developed a, a video work uh, together with these um, caregivers who choreographed their own movement pieces um, inspired by their gestures of care from their everyday life, right? So for, for me, that has always been very important. You know, how does our everyday life have such an impact on, on you know, the way that we, we experience life, you know, and, and whether or not there is possibility of transformation within the everyday so yeah, so that was kind of like the background of what allowed me to start the care index. So I was thinking, you know, because I, I saw such an impact on, on how um, these caregivers understood their experiences through movement and, and were allowed yeah. to reconnect with who they are as like creative um, beings, right? And I, and I thought, what if the care index allowed um, other people to do that? I, I wanted to start with a very simple open call so that people could send in video recordings of um, their care gestures and their care practices. And then that would then be an invitation for other people to respond to. I think during the first open call, it was quite amazing because it was a very short call, about just a month long. And we had about 40 over submissions from all Fantastic, over the world. Yeah. People from India, people from Norway, people from the States, from Italy, from Singapore, Malaysia. I, I was very heartened by um, the stories that people share, you know, how they articulated their gestures and um, how people responded to them. And, and yeah, so that sort of like kicked off the research. And, uh, and since then, um, what I've been doing with this project is actually inviting specific groups to collaborate with me. And um, each uh, each group has kind of like a, a specific focus. Like a, like there was one that was done last year with the Listening Binale. There were four curators involved in the Binale and I was working with Yang Yong, who's a curator in, in Hong Kong. And I, I wanted to create um, a workshop process that focused on our care systems. So um, the collaborators were all people who worked um, uh, in you know, specific institutions that provided care, like uh, education, our frontline workers of healthcare, and also in the professional caregiving space. So I, I brought in um, collaborators who contributed their performance scores, which uh, were then shared during a Zoom workshop. Yeah, so, so that was how um, a public audience who um, has not previously encountered these stories sort of 
receive the, the work, you know, their, their experiences. And, and I would say, you know, the, the care index is this kind of iterative process of listening. You know, what, what happens when we listen and also listen through the body, right? So that was something that uh, it's, it's, it's an ongoing uh, research process for me. And, uh, and I'm, I'm very happy with um, the generosity of people so far. The most recent um, group that I'm working with is from Singapore and Australia. So two curators, Rachel Kiang and uh, Kath Fries, they're based in Sydney. Um, so the gallery is called uh, Gallery Lane Cove. And uh, they've organized a group exhibition called The Presence of Mind, which is a group exhibition on contemporary art through the lens of uh, art practitioners who are also Buddhists. So it looks at spirituality and mindfulness and also um, you know, the importance of contemplative practice in, um, in the world and in contemporary art. Um, and how these practices have actually informed artists in their work. I was very um, excited to be included in the group show. I'm showing a, an older um, video work that I made, but they also invited me to um, partake in a digital residency with the Australian and Singapore artists. So, so I had a chance to offer a caring decks to the group, and it, it became so rich, you know? Like, uh, it became a process where I, I, I had a sort of... Um, several themes that the practitioners could um, respond and so each week you know I would host um, some workshops and then uh, the Australian artists will also lead like either meditation or um, a simple uh, activity where um, we would engage with some of these uh, topics yeah so the outcome of this digital residency um, presence of mind uh, was then a collective score offered by the different artists I was going to ask you this question in the end, but since you've already addressed the topic, please give our listeners, of which uh, many of them are visual artists, please do give some uh, further information about how they can respond to this open call, presence of mind, which is part of the Care Index. Audiences can, can actually respond to the open call online. Care Index is on careindex.net. And if you go on it, you'll find the tab Presence of Mind Digital Residency and you'll be able to see the instructions for the open call. And all we ask is actually um, quite simple. Uh, there's a series of scores that uh, each artist has contributed. Each score comes with a title and also some instructions provided by the artist. And that sort of offers a little guide to how you can potentially uh, react to their piece. And, and then you watch their video score and, and it gives you some kind of sense of uh, their thinking about various themes. The artists, they offer a, a video prompt for you to, to respond to and uh, you can respond in video as well. And uh, so you can just send, um, send me your submissions via the, the website. www.careindex.net, yes. right? Thank you so much for this. Since you've addressed the concept of transformation and since transformation is at the heart of the pointless artist, I would very much like us to dig a little, little further into this. Through my blog, I have the genuine wish to help people and in particular artists, help them operate a change in their consciousness and profoundly understand their art making process. 
this is why I'm personally very interested in how you look at transformation, what transformation means to you, not only as an artist, but also as a human being and as a Buddhist. So in other words, how do you personally link art and transformation? Um, I think it's such an important um, um, message you have, Bianca. I, I mean, transformation is is very fundamental, I think, to to how we live, and it's a it's a wonderful thing to embrace um, change and transformation of not just our body's mind, but also the various situations that we are encountering. Right. So I I think for me, I've been very um, grateful and also um, thankful to the late uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, who is a you know a wonderful teacher and you know who has been such a great influence for many Buddhist practitioners like myself. And one thing, I mean, one of his teachings on on interbeing and also in our our interconnection with each other. There's so much um, humility in the practice, and also um, there's yeah, there's a lot of uh, wisdom in it. And I I think once we we are able to sort of see that we are we interbe we inter are interdependent with each other. It really sort of transforms how we talk about things and how do we want to situate ourselves in, in different situations. So for, for me, that's how I see transformation taking place. And perhaps I would say for, for the Care Index, you know, this project is also an experimentation in, in precisely that. You know, what gets transformed when our gestures of care passes on from a personal experience into a stranger's, you know, a stranger who receives it, and into the wider public, right? So, so what happens that it seems to be a very insignificant and intimate gesture, actually is um very very important, and it is also seen in many other experiences. You know, so you were talking about this universal aspect, right? I think that is um very important for us to focus on. It really is about trying to discover connections between people, and also um being able to 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 map that kind of constellations of of relationships, right, that we have with the world. All the projects that that um, we're doing as artists is is um an attempt at that. You know, it's an invitation to listen together, to practice together. And, and I think that's why collaborative projects are so important because that's where you, you, you really come into contact with what, what does it mean to make space for not just your ideas, but also another person's ideas. Yeah. This is actually also the intention here of the pointless artist to kind of link people, to open up possibilities and to link people across cultures across the exactly. globe and what an extraordinary medium we have here because art is in itself transformation so this to me is the perfect way of building bridges and of putting people together and of impacting this world in a very positive and constructive way yeah our talk would actually with this beautiful mm -hmm. message end here but I would still like to address the concepts of artistic creativity, of art inspiration and creative blog with you because these are the three pillars of the pointless artist, among other uh, things. So uh, could you please tell us how you look at creativity, uh, where you find your inspiration and whether you've ever hit creative blog before and if you did, what did you do to come out of that? And if you didn't, how how you look at it anyways? 
I, I think I really find inspirations um in relationships. Yeah, it's it's something that um you know gets me going all the time. I love listening to stories. I love um, understanding, you know, what makes a person tick. I I love understanding why is it, you know, communication um, was not happening, or why is it actually working out really well. So yeah, I think I I I'm constantly um, being driven by encounters with people. So yeah, I think that's what's been um, motivating a lot of my work, and and sometimes maybe the miscommunications that we encounter on a day to day basis, they also um, you know, they really offer me a lot of pause to think about what what is it we're experiencing it uh, experiencing here. You know, like my experience of this exchange could be completely different to this person. You know, what are the power dynamics in the room? What helps to encourage connection and what actually repels it? I remember my very wise grandmother. She said once to me, "There is nothing more amazing." Mysterious, enigmatic, and profound in this whole world than human relationships. I actually happened to write about this and about the power of listening in one of my blog posts, and I'm so happy that you've addressed these aspects, these topics. Like I think that um, I mean, listening is is really can be so profoundly difficult, and you know, I, th- I think sometimes artists create projects in order to uh, be brave as well. You know, so it's it's an attempt to to step out. Alicia, have you ever hit creative block before? I think because my projects tend to take some time to incubate, I feel that maybe I don't really look at it as creative blocks, but there are a lot of um, there can be a lot of frustrating moments in the process. Particularly, you know, with collaborations, you you love them, but also at the same time, they all come with a lot of challenges too. So, how do we work with uh, people? How do we work with uh, spaces? Yeah, those those are in a way maybe the blocks, right? That I I kind of see. So, so I think for me, sometimes taking a break helps. <laughs> you know, when when you know you're you're kind of really feeling stuck in a situation or you're not um connecting with someone. I think rather than always feel that you need to solve the problem immediately, it's also about giving it time and also stepping back to to be able to see um, the larger picture. I think that is very, (laughs) pretty important. And sometimes just taking a walk, you know, and and reconnecting with the body, I think has been very helpful for dealing with blocks of all kind, (laughs) especially creative blocks. Alicia, we are approaching the end of this uh, talk that only scratched the surface of so many deep and so many important topics that are so relevant for the world we live in and that have the power to move and change people very, very profoundly. And um, I'd like to ask you one more question. What seems to you most important in life as an artist, but not only as an artist? Well, this is a difficult question. I think what's important for me, I feel like I've, I've mentioned this quite a lot in the in our chat but I do think you know, having solid and grounded relationships are, are really very important to me and I think that just the um, the fact that uh, you know you, you can be surrounded by um, people that support you and uh, also you know make time to understand you I think is, is really crucial and and I think the world needs to 
be able to make space for that and, and create systems that actually encourage um, this kind of well-being, you know, enable people to have rich relationships because really that's the, you know, that's what you can sort of count on. And uh, I would say the richness of uh, relationships that we have in our, our lives, you know, not just with humans, which is a very crucial part, but also with non-humans, right? So it's our relationship with um, the environment, you know, with animals, with um, you know the things that surround us, I think I think that again comes back to what you mentioned about transformation, right? And rethinking how we want to right. um, approach these uh, relationships in our lives. I would like to refer once more to your project gestures of care as expressed in your care index because this goes precisely into this direction of human connectedness, of building bridges, not digging holes and creating cleavages between people. And I'd like to close this interview with a quote from Siddhartha Gautama, a famous quote that says, He who experienced the unity of life sees his own self in all beings and all beings in his own self and looks everything with an impartial eye. We'll leave it to that for today. Thank you so much, Alicia. I'm honored you've accepted my invitation. Thank you so much, Bianca. It's, it's really, truly wonderful. I love um, the code that you share. Absolutely beautiful.